Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Final Four. Is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron, and we are back with the Big Ten preseason preview. Uh, and today, Rod, we got Indiana, who uh, has gone through quite a few changes in the off season. Out uh, is Reggie, or uh, I'm sorry, Richie Archie Miller, uh, and in comes uh, Mike Woodson. Uh, last season, they were 12 and 15, 7 and 12 in the Big Ten, uh, which tied them for 10th with Penn State last year. Um, so maybe not a big surprise that Archie Miller is gone. Um, yeah. Disappointing year for, uh, you know, for sure. No doubt. And, and the fact is, when you look at how Archie Miller's Indiana tenure unfolded, it, it has to rate as one of the more surprising things in recent years in, in major college basketball. Uh, and, and this is why I say that. Archie Miller had a reputation as a guy who really coached fundamentally sound, very tough physical teams mm-hmm. at Dayton. And his Indiana teams did have some of that. Um, they were physically tough at times. They could be defensively sound. The problem was, and what ended up killing his Indiana run, is despite a really, really good amount of quote-unquote talent, if you pay attention to recruiting rankings and that sort of thing and reputations, his teams never managed to get on track offensively. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. They just did not play well enough offensively. It was sort of the mirror image of Tom Crean's time at Indiana. Tom Crean had all those great offensive teams, but they could never guard anybody. That said, Tom Crean won a couple Big Ten championships. Archie Miller never got close uh, in his briefer tenure. Um, so they had to fire him. I mean, it was just becoming it was becoming too toxic of a situation, and that that is the danger and the risk as a head coach when you go to one of these handful of programs where expectations are sky high. You, it's great. You have all that tradition behind you. You have giant fan bases, you have resources, all that stuff goes along with it. And in this case, you are the flagship school of, for my mind, still pound for pound, the best basketball state in the country. Mm-hmm. There are states that produce more talent, but they're, that's because they're a lot bigger population-wise. If you scale it for population, I still think most years Indiana matches up with anybody. And look at the guys. He got major, major league talent from Indiana while he was there. He was, yeah. How long was he there? Was he there four years? Four, maybe five. Four years. Four? No, one five. It was either, I was going to say three, but I think it was four. He landed, and maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but he landed at least three five-star players. He landed uh, Romeo Langford. Yeah. Then he got Trace Jackson Davis, and then he got Christian Lander. They were all considered five-star guys. All 
all in state guys too, by the way. So you can't say that Archie didn't recruit high level talent. Mm. He just couldn't get these teams to function offensively. The other thing that he really struggled with, and it goes hand in hand with that, he never really managed to solve the point guard position. I, I mentioned Lander. You know, he was a kid that they brought in last year. He reclassified up and clearly was not ready. Mm-hmm. Despite all the recruiting accolades, he just was not ready. And when that became clear that he wasn't going to be capable of helping the way they hoped he would, it was the die was essentially cast because otherwise they were going with the same guys who had been around and those guys hadn't done the job previously. So why would, you know, why would anything change? Um, but I think it was shocking because people thought, I thought that this guy's tailor made to succeed mm. at this level. He's got a, he's from Pennsylvania, but he spent a lot of time, um, both as an assistant, at Xavier and then a head coach himself at Dayton spent a lot of time in the Midwest. He understood it. His style plays well. Um, you know, you just, I had a hard time envisioning this guy not succeeding. And he was perennially for a few years while he was at Dayton, he was this name that would come up every year with every decent sized job and say, is this going to be the job he, he leaves for? And he was patient, and he picked Indiana, which is a pretty good one to pick, unless you don't get the job done quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and as he found out, that's what happened. So, you know, the Indiana coaching hire decision was a typically entertaining one where <laughs> they had convinced themselves they were going to get Brad Stevens, or a lot of their fans did at least. And apparently they did take a run at him, but if, if you knew anything about that scenario, that was never in the cards. It was never going to happen. He's not interested in recruiting. He doesn't want to come back to college. And that proved to be the case even after he left the Boston Celtics job. Mm. You know, he didn't go back to college. Um, there were other big names that were bandied about that, that just weren't realistic for whatever reason. Because, again, most coaches understand that while there are a lot of positives that come with the Indiana job, there's one big, big negative, which is expectations. And if you don't deliver quickly, you run out of rope in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Archie Miller found that out. Tom Crean got a lot of rope, I have to say, but he found that out. Um, you've got to deliver. And and what ended up happening is they, they go the NBA route and bring in Mike Woodson. And Mike Woodson, I'm just old enough to remember Mike Woodson as a player at Indiana. You know, he, he kind of straddled the magic era and then just after that. And Mike Woodson was a hell of a college basketball player. He was really, really good. He was kind of the, he was the shining light between eras for Bob Knight, between that 76 group with Quinn Buckner and Kent Benson and those guys that won the national title. And then Isaiah Thomas's team that won the national title when he was a sophomore. I think he and I Woodson and Isaiah played together one year, but Mike Woodson was a great pure scorer as a small forward, and he had a decent NBA career, long, long, long NBA career as an assistant and on a few occasions a head coach. Uh-huh. He was actually um, an assistant on the uh, going-to-work Pistons that won the title in 2004 That's right, for Larry, yeah. Brown, uh, Larry Brown. Um, so he'd been around forever, and this was not a name – until very late in the process that I think anybody took really seriously because he's never coached in college. 
Mm-hmm. Not as an assistant, not as a grad assistant, nothing. So at this late, you know, Mike Woodson's. Have, oh, can we pause there? Yeah. Cam, can we pause? Yep. yep. I'll just, I'll I just, can edit it. I gotta get this done. What's that? I can edit that out. That's... Okay. So I think we have to. Um, I gotta, I gotta take care of this. Give me just a second. Okay. Come here. Come here. Up, up. No, up, up. Come on. You got to settle down. Lay down. 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 I can't have you barking like this. The, the problem is my, my wife has a guest over, so the dog is in with me because he'll go ballistic on the guest, and then he's barking. <laughs> <laughs> I, kind of at a catch-22 here. Yeah. Um, hopefully, hopefully he'll settle down. Um, so let's, let me start again. Um, so I think, uh, I think it was, it was definitely a shocker that they ended up going with Mike Woodson, a guy who's never had to recruit, never had to deal with, with kids, at least not as an entire roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't know. I mean, he's certainly a guy who understands the game at an extremely high level. You don't last in the NBA. You don't have the reputation that he had without being a very good basketball coach, you know? Yeah. So I think to be fair to him, we, we have to give him that, that, you know, he, he is a guy who, uh, who knows the game very well. And we'll just have to see. I mean, people make comparisons to – the Chris Weber situation, or Chris Weber, I'm sorry, Juwan Howard, um, because Juwan Howard was a guy who'd been exclusively in the NBA until he got to Michigan, and so far it's worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I think that that's an automatic. You know, if you if you look at most of the guys who have been in those situations, it hasn't gone the same way it, it has at Michigan. But we'll just have to see. I do think he, he got himself a pretty good staff. Um, one name in particular Michigan State fans know very well, Dane Fife, yeah. uh, left MSU to go return to his alma mater. Um, I think in the end that move maybe wasn't too surprising. Um, the sense I had had is that not that there was any gigantic falling out or anything, but that the feeling was maybe it was just time for a change with him and MSU. Mm. Um, and so now he's back home where he played ball. And like Mike Woodson, obviously has a lot of emotion, a lot of feeling for the place. And, and that sometimes that can be a really, really good thing. So, um, we'll have to see how it works out, but I think that, um, and then the, the Thad Mata it was interesting. thing, it, didn't, yeah. didn't Thad Mata, he's kind of in as like an assistant athletic director, director or some sort of administrative role. Correct. Correct. And you're right. I'm glad you brought that up because that was another really interesting move. It's funny. It got a lot of play when it happened. And then if you look around at preseason stuff and everything, it doesn't seem to be talked about much at all anymore. I I do think quietly that could be a really good move. You're exactly right. He was brought in as an assistant AD for basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the idea there is he's somebody that can give Mike Woodson a sounding board as someone who's been there as a head coach in the Big Ten, in the Midwest for a long time, who understands 
what's required of you and can maybe help just maybe in a similar way to what Michigan did with Phil Martelli on Juwan Howard's staff, except that Mata's not actually an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to assume that's what the role is. And, you know, maybe that will be a help, too. That might help as a, as a shortcut. Uh, for Mike Woodson, but you know, I, there's just so I, many I kinda, millions of, of different rules and regulations and stuff to keep yeah, track of. Exactly. That's 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 really it. You know, your assistants can help to a large degree, and he's got an experienced staff. But it's different having a, a guy who's been a head coach at this level around as another resource. I think that was a good move by Indiana. You know, we'll just, it remains to be seen. You know, I've got them in seventh because I think it is all new and unproven and it's hard to know what you're going to see, but there's a lot of talent on this roster. They lost some guys, but they brought some guys in and they brought some guys back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if everything goes the right way, there's probably enough pure talent horsepower here that this team could be a surprise and, and, you know, maybe be a top four finisher. I don't have them there at this point, but it, you can't rule it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we should, we should talk about the guys they've got yeah. and don't have. Yeah. So one of the big ones that left Armand Franklin, six, four guard, uh, he winds up transferring out to Virginia. Um, and, but he was, uh, 11.4 points a game. That was second on the team. 4.1 rebounds, which was third on the team. Um, or well, he was 4.1 rebounds, and then he was third on the team with assists, um, with 47. And he shot well, 43, 42, and 71. Yeah, big get for Virginia, and and uh, an important loss for Indiana because while he was healthy, you know, and if you remember, Michigan State played them. We play them twice. Do we play them home and home? I think we did, right? I um, think so, yeah. And beat them, beat them twice. Uh, he didn't play in either of those games, and that was a big blow for Indiana. That was there was a point That's last right. year, by the way, where Indiana was in position. They looked like they might be a tournament team, and then they just faded down the stretch. Yeah. Part of it was, in my opinion, was that Franklin was out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. He was really good as a sophomore, and so that's a guy that you're replacing there's no there's no doubt about it if they had him back you'd be, you'd be talking about a really really strong returning on the wing yeah uh, and then al durham he transfers out to providence he was a 6-3 uh started a ton of games over his career um last year he averaged 11.3 points a game 39 38 and 79 and he had 67 assists yeah which was second on the team and there's mm-hmm. the other wing on al durham was a a pretty nice player um not a great player not a star but if he's your fourth or fifth best player you're in pretty good shape because he did a lot of things decently you know pretty good defender decent playmaker decent shooter you know you add it all up you're getting a lot of contributions from him so um i thought it was an interesting decision for him to transfer to providence but um yeah, that's a loss as well, no doubt about it. Jerome Hunter, the six nine forward, um, didn't really live up to his expectations. A lot of uh, that's due to injury, but he averaged six point three points a game, forty three from the floor, thirty four from the three, and fifty two from the line, uh, and he grabbed three boards a game. 
yeah, he, he decided to transfer to Xavier. Um, when I say, when you say that he hadn't lived up to advanced billing, that's true, but you have to remember he was a very hotly recruited player, kind of seen as a top 50 guy, um, and seen as a player who might really, really, really be a big impact mm-hmm. player um, as a six nine stretch four type. You still look at the numbers, and he was pretty good last year. I mean, those are not bad numbers. You know, thirty four percent from a six nine guy from three. That's okay. You can live with that. Gave him decent defense, decent rebounder. I think he's got a chance to be pretty good at Xavier. And again, you know. That's a loss because he was still a young enough guy mm-hmm. that there's a chance he could progress. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Joey Brunk, 6'10", veteran, uh, big man. Uh, didn't play a lot last year due to the back injury, but he winds up transferring to Ohio State, another in-conference uh, transfer. Yeah, you, you just what you don't know with him is how healthy he's going to be. He missed all of last season. Um, when he was healthy the year prior, if you remember, he and, and Trace Jackson Davis were part of that tag team that beat MSU in Bloomington um, by just crashing the board. He was a problem. And it started his career at Butler. He was actually a guy with Michigan State interest early on. They didn't really go full bore for him, but um, not, a, not a great talent by any means. But he's a guy with size who understands that he's big and uses, when he's healthy at least, and uses his size well. So not a loss in the sense that Indiana didn't even have him at all last year, which really I think did hurt them. Mm. Um, But we'll talk about him more when we get to Ohio State. It it really depends on if he's healthy. That's whether he does anything for them. Uh, And then returning players, start off with the big one. Trace Jackson Davis decides to uh, forego the NBA draft to come back. he had a monster year, 19.1 points a game, 52% from the floor, uh, 66% at the line. Uh, he's definitely going to be a problem. A, a little bit surprising to me, and I get the credit to the kid into Indiana that he likes it enough to hang around. Um, this is a guy who was, you know, a legitimate five-star recruit and, and a really good player and has been really good at Indiana from the moment he got there. I'm sure a lot of our listeners remember Michigan State recruited him really hard as well. Generally acknowledged they finished second on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will admit there was a half moment I wondered after Archie Miller announced he was getting fired that I wondered, mm, maybe he's a guy <laughs> in the world, but it, it never got there. Um, big, big thing for Mike Woodson to have him back because he gives you a go-to guy. You know, you mentioned the numbers. Um, they'll hope for a little bit of an uptick at the line. As I remember, at least in the game in, in Bloomington, if I recall correctly, um, he really struggled at the line, and mm-hmm. that cost them when, when MSU was able to beat them. Uh, 66% isn't horrible, but uh, they'd like it to be north of 70. Because um, he gets there a lot. He averaged more than seven free throw attempts a game last year. So, you want him to be a bit better there. You want him to maybe be uh, a bit more improved in terms of his efficiency overall on offense. But, look, uh, I'm really splitting hairs. The mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, Face Jackson Davis will be one of the best players in the Big Ten and one of the best big men in the country. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. 
and he's a great starting point for Mike Woodson's team. Yep. Uh, and then Brace Thompson back, uh, 6'6 junior. He averaged 9.1 points a game, 6.2 rebounds, 52 from the floor, only 20 from three, 61 from the line. So we look yeah, he maybe I, be the starting four? Yeah, because he was last year. And, you know, he's a little undersized, but in the modern game, that's not such a big deal. Um, the big the big strength in his game and the big thing he gives Indiana is, along with Jackson Davis, he's a really good offensive rebounder. Now, I mentioned a year prior when Brunk was playing a lot, um, they had some other guys, they were really, really effective as an offensive rebounding group. Mm-hmm. And, and they made a lot of hay in that area. Last year, not so much. But those two guys were the only guys who did it. They need to do that again and then hope that they have some of their compatriots join in the fun. But um, I like Thompson. You know, he's not a perfect player, but he's got a little bit of game on the blocks. Not a good shooter from range. That, that probably should be a big part of his game in terms of taking those shots. Uh, but as a rebounder and and kind of a garbage man scorer, he's he's okay. He's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Rob Finnessy, six one senior point guard, averaged seven point one points a game, thirty five twenty six and sixty four. Uh, but he did lead them with assists and seven with seventy seven. Yeah, I think it's it's obviously an interesting year for him. He's a senior and he's kind of been the guy by default because they haven't been able to come up with a better option. Yeah. He just has never done enough. He's never shot the ball well enough. He's never been as dynamic a playmaker as they really needed at that spot. Pretty good defensive player, given that. But I think with some of the guys they brought in, particularly Xavier Johnson, whom we'll, we'll talk about in a few minutes, um, it's likely that Tennessee is going to see his role shrink. Now it's possible that they could start two point guards and he remains a starter. Maybe that will happen, but I would guess that maybe he steps back a little bit and becomes more of a super sub. Um, and maybe that's a better fit for him. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Then Trey Galloway, six, five sophomore. Um, he played a lot due to his uh, sort of, you know, his versatility, especially on defense, 20 minutes a game, 3.6 points, 42 from the floor, only 18 from three and 74 from the line. Yeah, you know, he was when he was recruited, and he was a guy Michigan State had some interest in early. In fact, I think he went to a midnight madness at some point in his high school career in East Lansing. But the story on him was that he wasn't a knockdown shooter, but he wasn't supposed to be this bad. Mm-hmm. And I would think, you know, we're not going to know until we see it, right? But generally speaking if you're a guy coming in from the NBA, kind of your basketball wiring is likely to be around the idea that guys being able to hit shots is kind of a given. You know, if you can't hit shots, you're just not playing. Now, I don't know that for sure. And maybe Galloway will, or maybe Woodson will see it the same way Archie Miller did and value some of the other things Galloway does. and, And even if he continues to struggle as a shooter, but I just have this feeling that um, he's going to have to get better with the jumper. Mm. And maybe he will. Uh, and then you got Christian Lander, 6'2 sophomore, who was the, the sort of the hyper 
elite recruit coming in from last year, but really struggled. Just looked lost a lot out there. Um, 2.1 points a game, 26 from the floor, 27 from three, and 88 from the line. Um, he had four more assists than turnovers, 30 to 26 turnovers. Uh, that was a rough, yeah. rough year for him. Really, really rough. I mean, this time last year, we were speculating, okay, he's reclassified, so that's a question mark, but can he be the guy who changes the narrative for Indiana at the point? Because the suggestion was, well, this is the kind of talent that maybe he can make it work even though he's young. Mm -hmm. And the answer was decidedly, definitively, N-O. He was not ready. He was not ready physically. You know, you just saw him get knocked around a lot, even on the perimeter. He got knocked around a lot. Um, And consequently, his confidence level, his game just was not ready. Now, it's having a year of off-season structured workouts, a year in their program. Has that been enough? I I have to admit, I was kind of surprised to see him hang around. That just seemed on the surface to be like, okay, he had a terrible year, coach gets fired, you get out of town, you go start somewhere fresh. He didn't do that. So to his credit, he decided to stick it out, and and we'll see what happens. But I have to believe this is a critical year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way things go currently in, in college athletics, it would seem to me that either Christian Lander takes a big step forward this year as a sophomore, although granted he could repeat his freshman year because of COVID, um, but either he takes that step forward or he's looking for a new place to play next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to believe that the stakes are likely that high. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean he has to be a starter and be an all-Big Ten guy, because I, I don't think at least the latter part probably isn't realistic this year. But I do think he's got to be better, and he's got to be good enough to where the program feels he's got a future, and he feels he's got a future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jordan Geronimo, 6'6", 225-pound sophomores back. Um, 2.2 points a game, 51 from the floor, 40 from three, and 28 from the line. Yeah, I, I like him. You know, he's got good athleticism. He's got good strength. 6'6", uh, six, six, can play on the wing, can play small ball four. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him step forward and earn a little bit bigger role this season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a nice package of, uh, physical tools and skill set. Uh, and then Anthony Leal, the other sophomore, six, four, uh, average 1.6 points a game, 31, 30 and 60. So struggled, struggled yeah. shooting. But, and that's the thing. If he's not hitting shots, he's probably not doing anything for you because that was his whole deal coming out of high school was this is a guy he's an AAU teammate of Galloway so they played together and he was the guy who had the shooters rep mm. the 30% not horrible it's not 18 the way Galloway shot but it, it's not good enough and and again I think if he's going to see his role expand uh, it's going to be because he shoots a little better mm. but this competition for these guys now is we're going to get into yeah. you know Indiana brought in some some transfers, and they added a couple high school players. And there's going to be competition for these spots, and and it's just not a given that you know Leo and Galloway are, are going to and Lander are going to see the same opportunities they did even a year ago. Mm. 
Yeah, so the first newcomer they got here, Xavier Johnson, 6'3", 200-pound point guard transfer from Pitt. Um, and this is a, a this is a guy that can score. He's 14.2 points last year, 5.7 assists, shooting 43-32 and 79 on the season. Yeah, you know, as as you say this, um, I think, doesn't it seem that Pitt has been, over the last maybe four or five years, has been nothing more than a glorified farm team? <laughs> I was going to say, like the because Peter League to the Big Ten? <laughs> mostly the Big Ten, but... But even some other guys, there was, who was the kid? Cameron Johnson, was that his name? The kid was the shooter at North Carolina a couple of years back. Really good players in the NBA now. Um, so there have even been guys outside the Big Ten. But you think about the Big Ten, you've had, in recent years, Marcus Carr was at Pitt. He goes to Minnesota. He's an all-Big Ten player. Now he's at Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really talented kid. Uh, Trey McGowan at Nebraska. We've already talked about in these previews. Shamil Stevenson, Stevenson, who was there last year and then and then left, um, you know, on and on and on it goes. And here's another one: Xavier Johnson is a thousand point career scorer, and he leaves. And it makes it really does make me wonder, you know, this before you could blame it on Kevin Stallings. Kevin Stallings took that job, um, and uh, and struggled to put it nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can understand that, but, you know, then uh, Jeff Capel got the job. You know, Jeff Capel had been a head coach at Oklahoma. There was a scandal there. He lost his job, ended up going back to Duke with Mike Krzyzewski, went right back into his role as the supposedly elite recruiter for a few years, and then he gets the job at Pitt. And even he can't hold on to these guys. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is something. But – you know, Xavier Johnson's not a perfect player. There's some dangers here, but the fact is he's a thousand point career scorer, as you said, fourteen points, almost six assists per game last year. That's a lot of production. Mm-hmm. And for a team like Indiana that has just desperately been searching for a point guard solution ever since Yogi Ferrell left, which is now going back a few years. That's going back about five years now, believe it or not. Um this is probably the best opportunity they've had at a real answer. Um, the three-point shooting's got to get better, obviously. 32% probably not good enough for a guy in his role is going to take as many shots as he probably will. Um, but I think he's going to be the starter, and I think he gives them a chance at some legitimately elevated play at that position. Yep. Uh, and then, so not only does Woodson hold on to most of these guys, but he lands Miller Cop, um, the six-seven senior transfer from Northwestern, um, eleven point three points a game, forty from the floor, thirty-three from three, eighty-five from the line. Uh, but he he's a guy who sh- has shot forty percent um, from the three-point line as a sophomore, so we know he can hit it. But that's a huge yeah. get for him, for them. It it could be. You know, when we did the Northwestern preview, I mentioned that I think there is a world, a very possible world, where Northwestern might be better off by having Robbie Buran play those minutes who could shoot similarly or maybe even a little better, mm-hmm. better than Cop did last year at least, and yet give them more as a rebounder, as a defender. Miller Cop really does one thing, and that's shoot the deep ball. That's what he does. He's not a very good individual defender. He's a 
zero really as a rebounder, but he can shoot. And mm-hmm. on this team, there's a need for that. That was one thing, you know, I mentioned point guard play was a chronic problem. The other chronic problem in the Archie Miller era was three-point shooting. Yeah. They just never got anywhere close to being good enough from deep. So if you get the Miller cop that Northwestern had as a freshman and especially as a sophomore, well, that's good enough to probably get him a good deal of minutes. I, I think the interesting thing for me is where are they going to play him? Northwestern played him as a four at times, a lot last year, mostly because they could kind of hide him defensively there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't love the idea of Miller Cop guarding threes, but Indiana, with the guys they've got, they may try to play him at the three a little bit more, and that'll be more of an adventure on the defensive end. So on the surface, it looks like a really good addition, and it could be. I'm just saying there are some questions. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Parker Stewart. 6'5", junior, who transfers in from Tennessee Martin, um, also started his career at Pitt. Um, There you go. (laughs) 19.2 points a game as a sophomore. Um, Second second team uh, all-conference for them. Yeah. Now, he was a sit-out transfer last year. Um, if If I remember the story correctly, I believe he played for his father at Tennessee Martin and his father died. I think is the story there. He transferred to Indiana. You know, you look at those numbers, 19 points a game, second team all-conference in the Ohio Valley. He's also a decent rebounder, decent secondary playmaker, good size for the wing at 6'5". You know, in his freshman year at Pitt, he wasn't getting the volume he did at Tennessee Martin, but he did hit 39% of his three. So you look at him, and here's another guy who, all right, they're like cop. There's the potential to really bolster your deep shooting. And this is why I say, looking at guys like Galloway and, and Leal, it's not a given that they re- even remain in the roles they were in or much less elevate mm-hmm. in the bigger roles because there's some of these other guys coming that as transfers that seem to also address that issue, the difference being they've actually done it yeah. at the college level. Uh, Parker Stewart could be a really good addition. I, I like him. I think he's a better bet than Cop to have a major, major impact just because it seems like he does more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got Michael Durr, a seven foot transfer from South Florida. Durr averaged 8.8 points a game, 7.9 rebounds, uh, and he's 250. So he'll have some size behind him. Yeah, I come back to this theme we, we repeat over and over. He's a card you can play against the big boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and boy, that's a nice thing to have, something they didn't have last year behind Jackson Davis. They didn't have a legitimate five-man with, with, with Joey Brunk hurt. Um, he was really it. And, and now you have an option in Durr. Um, decent numbers at South Florida, you know? Yeah, uh, it, it's almost kind of surprising. I guess he just wanted to play in a bigger spotlight, maybe be part of a big time program. But um, you know, that's a guy with those kind of numbers. You almost wonder if there might have been a, a starting role out there for him somewhere, because uh, he's not going to start in Indiana. But but I do think he will he will play, mm-hmm. and um, and it's an important piece potentially for them. Uh, and then they get Tamar Bates, a 6'4 wing, who was kind of a late signee. 
Um, and he rocketed up the recruiting rankings um, with a big senior year. He decommitted from Texas after Shaka Smart left for Mar- uh, Marquette. Yeah, and that was a big late get, and really the first, other than some of what they did in the transfer portal, you could say Bates was the first big recruiting win of the Mike Woodson era. Um, you know, he just really, came, when he committed to Texas, he was a known guy, but by the time he decommitted and went back into things in the spring looking for a home, uh, he was a major name. He really, really, one of those rare situations where his senior year of high school ball really improved the way that people perceived of him. Uh, reportedly a very good athlete, strong perimeter game. They just think he needs to get a little bit stronger. You know, as I keep saying, you can, I think it's reasonable to expect that Mike Woodson is going to put a real value, maybe more than Archie Miller did on playing guys who can actually hit shots. That's not the end of it. He's going to need him to do more, but, it's probably going to be a little bit tougher to get on the floor for him if you can't shoot. And the word is Bates can shoot. Mm. So I, even as a freshman, I think he's probably going to be in that rotation. And again, guys like Galloway and Leal, this is somebody you've got to be concerned about jumping you. Mm. Uh, and then Logan Duncombe, six, nine, uh, big out of Cincinnati, who was originally kind of an Archie Miller guy. Yeah, and, and, you know, again, give credit to Woodson. He kept him committed. They like him. Uh, he's got good size, some face-up skill, and they think in time he can be a, a four-stretching big. I think for this season, once they signed Durr, the die was kind of cast that he's probably not going to play a big role. Unless injuries hit, it's hard to imagine that he would play significant minutes, but definitely a name to keep your eye on for the future because – uh, he was considered a pretty good get at the time. Mm-hmm. So overall, I mean, only two two freshmen, again, for them. Um, we've not seen a whole lot of freshmen on these teams so far, Rod, <laughs> compared to the amount of transfers. So it, uh, what, what's your overall kind of take on them well, uh, on Indiana? Well, and... Welcome, that last comment, welcome to college basketball in 2021, right? Yeah, like I mean, where are all the freshmen that, going? They must be just going to small schools, I guess. Well, and, and this is something that, and I think if you're watching the 2022 class, uh, one thing that you will note is a high percentage of kids, of the highly ranked kids, have already committed. There's not a ton. There are some. Ty Rogers is an example. But it's not like we've seen in other years. Um, where a lot of guys keep things open going into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a direct result of what we're talking about here. If you are a high school player, and if you're a, if you're a McDonald's All-American, you don't need to sweat it. You know, you're going to have an opportunity to go where you want to go, for the most part. Um, but if you're a guy maybe the back half of the top 100, say 75 to 125, somewhere in there, Mm -hmm. you need to think very carefully about your recruiting now because if you find a school that you like and you don't take the offer when it's there and you drag it out, it's very, very likely that in the spring 
a college is going to look at the portal and say, I'd rather have a guy who's more proven and take that, take that player as opposed to a high school kid that might be a developmental guy for a year or two, mm-hmm. you know, um, this is an example. What we're seeing with these rosters, we see transfer, transfer, transfer. Now, the flip side of that, and what I think Tom Izzo would argue, is that for most programs, that's not going to be the most cohesive way to build because you're constantly shuffling the deck every year. This has been something that, say, John Calipari and, and Mike Krzyzewski have dealt with in recent years because they've had so many freshmen who were one-year guys. Yeah. Now we're in a transfer portal world where at least, you know, theoretically, of course, it's not just graduate seniors with one year of eligibility. Now it's guys who could stick in your program. Mm-hmm. You know, Michigan state looks at Tyson Walker. He could actually be a three-year guy potentially. Yeah. Um, we don't know. Um, but I think the reality is you also understand if we could get these guys, we can also lose guys. And we've seen that when we go down these rosters as well, right? Yeah. Guys that were leaving. Um, happened in Indiana. It's happened to pretty much everybody. So I think the, the bottom line is if you're a high school player who's not considered an automatic star and you get an offer you like, you better take it. Mm-hmm. Because there is no guarantee it's going to be there in the spring. The days of guys kind of keeping their recruitments going in hopes of getting better offers. I mean, I, I say this about Michigan State and Ty Rogers. I really like Ty Rogers, and I'll be happy if they get him. But I, my heart's not going to be broken if it gets to the spring because I have a feeling there will be a guy who does some similar things that will be available, at least theoretically, will be out there um, – but we'll have the added bonus of having actually done it in college to some degree, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and if you're, you know, just look at Indiana last year. So Indiana last year brings in Christian Lander to try to deal with the point guard spot. And it just does not work this year. They bring in Xavier Johnson, who's played a bunch of pit thousand point career score. He's done it in the ACC. Which do you think gives you better odds of getting production? a flyer on a young kid who reclassified in fairness, but mm. or guys done it at the high major level already, you know, and this is, this is the new world. And a, and a guy like Mike Woodson might actually be even more amenable to this world than guys who have been in college for a long time, because, you know, it, it's a little more like the NBA where, you know, especially with the current NBA free agency system, you know, it's not uncommon for you to have a roster overhaul where a third of your team is different mm. from the year prior. You know, that's not that's not unusual. So he's kind of lived, and and you're in a situation where you're under some time pressure to get guys acclimated. So you figure out ways to do that to get them acclimated to your system, the way what you need from them, think the way you want things done. Um, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, I, I think you have to give this hire a chance. I think it was a risk, uh, but the bottom line is Indiana probably wasn't going to get anybody who was just a slam dunk, 
you know, knock it out of the park, automatic grand slam hire. Chris Beard was not coming to Indiana. He was going to Texas, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and and so, and Brad Stevens wasn't coming back to, to college basketball, and they weren't going to get Tony Bennett from Virginia to leave Virginia, you know? So when you take those names out of the equation, hey, this wasn't a bad move in terms of trying something. Mm. And it remains to be seen how it'll work. I've got them seventh just because I think there's a lot of turnover, new coaching staff. It's asking a lot for everything to gel immediately. But keep in mind, picking them seventh means I think they probably are a tournament team. Yeah. Um, oh, to yeah. me, that would be good enough. But if everything really comes into place, uh, you know, they could be better than this. It wouldn't be a shocker. There's certainly talent here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that'll do it for Indiana. Uh, until next time, the final four is not on the schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.